Thank God for His goodness. I, I enjoyed that, Brother Seth. I don't know that I've ever heard you preach in person, so that was, that was a blessing. I always think he's just trying to avoid me when I'm here. That's the first time I've seen him in like five years. And uh, he was bald-faced. I don't even know if he was married the last time. We, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's good to see him and uh, good to be in church. Uh, I'm thankful for my family getting to be with me this year. Amen. No, y'all are too. I'm not worth putting up with. My family's not with me. Amen, Brother Billy Ray. I said it on purpose. And uh, y'all don't tell the rest of them, but all my favorite Hewitts are sitting on that pew too. So my, my first love and my last love's on that pew right there. Amen. I'll let you figure out which one all that is. And um, I'm thankful for my grandfather being here with me. Amen. Um, I, you know, I called him today and I said, where'd you preach the gospel from today? Just, just always been like that. And the uh, first time I ever remember going and knocking on the door, I was probably about six years old. And um, there's a house off of Hiram City Road in Hiram, Georgia, right off of uh, a side road there. Old Hiram City, I believe is what it's called. And as a six-year-old boy, I remember walking up that driveway and knocking on their front door. And I remember my granddaddy going in that living room, just me and him with that family and him taking the Bible at the coffee table and showing them that mom and that daddy how to be saved. And uh, it stuck with me the rest of my life. I wasn't even saved yet, Brother John, but I remember God put something in me that night and uh, I sure am thankful for it. I sure am thankful. I leaned over to my wife while he's preaching there at the end, Brother Seth, and we hear a lot of bad. I hear about a lot of church kids. Just You know, that's what you hear about because... Bad news travels easier and faster than, than good news. Just in the past few months, I've got two friends and their kids that went prodigal. And I leaned over to my wife all ago and I said, not everybody that raises their kids for God, not all of the kids turn out bad. And I know we're the same age. I know, I, how old are you, Brother Seth? I'm 34. I thought we was the same exact age. Not everybody turns out bad. And you remember that church? For, they don't, the good ones don't get talked about enough. Amen. Amen. Not all of them turn out bad. Amen. I'm so tired of hearing about bad news, but not all of them turned out bad. Yes, sir. It encouraged me to hear you tonight, Brother Seth, because not all of us has turned out for the world. And not that the world didn't try, and not that the devil didn't try, and not that we didn't have hard times. But my, my little sister, she wrote on Facebook last night. I wrote that about Buddy, and she said, I sure love my brothers. And I got to thinking about my sister out back home raising four little boys for the glory of God and homeschooling little devils and, and, and playing the piano and singing at church and worshiping. And, and my, my brother up there in North Dakota blizzarded in for the third week in a row preaching online. Pastor Caleb saw Pastor Caleb online. I'm going to tell you, praise God, that God, the devil hadn't got every one of them. And you can raise your kids in this world and you can raise your children for the glory of God. And listen, I can't keep my children from the far country. They got the same stinking self-will that I've got. I can't keep my children from the far country. But I can do my dead level best to keep the far country from my children. And it's worth it, neighbor. It's worth it, amen. It's worth preaching the Bible, amen. And it works tonight. We don't have to compromise and quit. He even took his towel. Pray for him, amen. I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I understand this coat's about to come off. But you can raise your children for the glory of God in this day and they can, t they can still turn out. That was just on my heart. Can I take my coat off? I, amen. If you're going to plow a mule, you might as well let him take his coat off. Amen. <clears throat> what a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this, O my soul. What a wondrous love is this that calls the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. 
When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside His crown for my soul. For my soul, Christ laid aside His crown for my soul. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be throughout eternity. I'll sing on, I'll sing on. Throughout eternity, I'll sing on. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Thought I'd bring y'all something from the mountains tonight. Amen. Exodus chapter 2. I thank you, church, for uh, loving us and caring for us and being our friends and praying for us. Thank you for giving towards the gospel rig. I, I'm so glad to get to pull it on this property and not hit a big limb. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ain't that a blessing? Amen. God, amen. Cut, the, cut them all down and... Ain't a bit of shade in that, 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 that field anymore. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, thank y'all for giving. Uh, I mean, from the church all the way down to the Sunday schools, giving. And we bless the Lord and thank, thank the Lord for you. And uh, y'all be getting a prayer letter about all of that and, and all that God did. And some of y'all know more. and Y'all see it on Facebook. But God's so good. And I, I, I was glad to drive it down here because I told Nan and Granddad if we got the, the gospel rig before a camp meeting that they could come. Amen. And Nana rode down here in a recliner yesterday like Granny Clampett. Amen? And uh, just like Granny. And uh, we made her leave her moonshine back here at the house. And uh, amen. But uh, it, yeah, I guarantee it. Amen? And uh, we, y'all just got flat land around here. It's not much different back home. But uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful they get to be with us. But I'm, glad, I'm thankful y'all get to see answer prayers. And uh, I'll tell you, starting next Monday, we start knocking on doors in Indiana, and not in Indianapolis, but in Indiana, uh, going after sinners. And that's your missions dollars at work. And we bless the Lord for you and thankful for you. And y'all pray, Lord willing, we'll be taking a group of 15 down to uh, Guatemala uh, to see, I think y'all support the hills. Y'all support the hills here. Uh, to see y'all's other, some of y'all's other missionaries, the hills will be working in a Mayan village. Uh, the first week, and then we'll be working in Malta's office with Brother Josh and Miss Melissa the second week. And we're taking a Who Will Grow, Go group down. But my wife and children, Lord willing, are going on this trip, and I'm thankful for that. They're not going to be going into the Mayan village with me, but they will be going and spending time with the Hill family and incur try to be an encouragement to them and be a, a help to them while we're down there. And we ask you to pray. That's June 25th through July 8th. And uh, it's going to cost our family about $1,400, $1,500 a piece. And God's already sent in $1,500 of that. And we bless the Lord for that. And I'm thankful for what God's opened up. Hey, look, we, we are to, listen, now that everything's opening up and, and Putin cured COVID and all that, we are to be going wide open for the gospel, amen, and for the glory of God, amen. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. And we'll try to give you what God's put on us for tonight. Uh, you pray for me. Uh, they mix my order up at the Mexican restaurant. Uh, but that's God's food and God's business and whatever He sees fit. Amen. I believe in the sovereignty of God. And so I ended up getting a mocha hete. Y'all know what that is? It's in a big cauldron. Amen. I got a big old mocha hete. It's supposed to be for two people. I ate the whole thing by myself and added a guacamole salad. But it didn't get to me till 3 o'clock today. So uh, y'all pray for me. Amen. It's about to get to me right here. Amen. Uh, that last verse of that song. Amen. It about got to me. Amen. I love this text, and um, if you know anything about Exodus 2, we get the first 80 years of Moses' life completely in, in Exodus 2. 
And uh, we, we, we know a whole lot about his last 40 years because we have from Exodus, uh, Exodus 3 on to the end of Deuteronomy about his life. Matter of fact, even in the New Testament, we get some things about Moses' life during that 40 years. But we know very, very little about his first 40 years and his middle 40 years. And we've seen the movies. They, they focus on the first and the last, but very rarely do you hear anything about these middle 40 years. And tonight, with the Lord's help, I want to dig in on that, and I want to preach a little bit out of, uh, out of this chapter. Verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out into his, unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied and he, an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and, and that way, and when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when... He went out the second day. Behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. God bless his heart. <clears throat> and they uh, came and drew water and filled the troughs of water, uh, water their fa- to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. Dear Lord, I thank You for the message we've already heard tonight. Lord, what wonderful truths. Dear God, I've heard it said that people may preach uh, the gospel better than us, but they can't preach a better gospel than us. And Lord, Lord, we heard a beautiful story of the gospel again tonight. And Lord, I thank You for that. Lord, I pray, dear God, it goes uh, hand in glove with what You put on our heart for tonight. I pray that You fill me with the Spirit of God tonight. Lord, You know I'm weary in body this evening, but Lord... And these people, they've worked and they've labored to prepare for this meeting. And no doubt, they're weary in body. But Lord, that you would give, we pray that you would give us super, supernatural empowerment tonight to preach the Word of God. Lord, touch our bodies, touch our minds, and touch our spirits tonight. Lord, no doubt the crowd this size, there's people that need to be saved. I pray to God that you draw them the cords of love. Show them their need of a Savior tonight. And that they will repent believe the gospel before it's too late. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Now, uh, over the past year or so, I've been studying the gospel. It seems like everywhere I've looked, you know, some preachers, they go looking for a message. And I feel like these messages have just been coming and looking for me. And I've been studying the gospel. And this seems to be a very weird spot to dig in about the gospel. But you just stick with me for a second. Amen. And uh, we, we've been preaching the gospel. And we know the gospel is this. According to 1 Corinthians 15, in our dispensation of grace, the gospel is the death of Jesus. Jesus Christ for our sins according to the Scriptures. His burial and His resurrection according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel we preach tonight. That, that, that neighbor, if you'll repent and believe that gospel, you can be saved tonight. Amen? Hey, but there's a definition of the actual word gospel. We just define the gospel biblically. But the word gospel, if you go look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, it means the good news. Amen? And any hey, listen, I, I've heard it said my whole life. I've heard my Granddaddy said, any, any page on this Bible, if you go to look and you can find Jesus, amen, you can find the gospel. Now, there's a lot of people today that say that uh, the, the Old Testament people got saved by works, and I have to disagree with that. If, that, if they got saved by works, you need to rip Hebrews 11 out of your Bible, because everybody in Hebrews 11 got saved before the promise was fulfilled, and it is not called the hall of works, it's called the hall of what? 
faith. By, by faith Abel and by faith Enoch and by faith Noah and by faith Abraham and by faith Sarah and by faith Isaac and by faith Jacob and by faith Joseph and by faith Moses' parents and on and on and on. Hey, it is the hall of faith. And you know what uh, they put their faith in? They didn't put faith in their works. They put their faith in what God has said. And if you go through this Old Testament and find whatever God's saying at the time, neighbor, you better believe that's good news. Amen. That is the gospel for the time. And tonight, I want to, with, the, with that being said, I want to preach on this thought, the gospel according to Zipporah. The gospel according to Zipporah. Now, we got to look at this. Y'all with me? I think we can find some good news tonight. Y'all ready? The first thing we'll notice in verse number 15, we see the Savior in this gospel. Now, I just read this story, and so for sake of time, I'm going to tell it instead of reading it again. But Brother Joe, there's a Savior in this story. Here is a Hebrew, and uh, if you know anything about the story of Moses, now listen, I know it was just Easter, and everybody just watched Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, and I love that movie, but let me help you real quick. Moses knew exactly who he was. It was not a surprise to Moses that he was a Hebrew. It tells us right here in the text, he knew who his brethren were. Okay, okay. so y'all stick with me now. Hear me now, hear me now. Amen. So, Brother Mark, Moses is seated at the right hand of power. Because of divine sovereignty and intervention and providence, Moses is seated at the right hand of power. Moses has a crown on his head. Moses is seated in the ivory palaces. Moses knows exactly where he's at. God's put him here. He's got all power. And you know what Moses does? When the fullness of time had come, when Moses come to a, to a certain point in his life, I don't know what nudged him. I don't know why he did this. But brother, son, Moses set aside his crown. Moses set aside his throne. Moses set aside his glory. Moses set aside the palaces. And he condescended to where his brethren were. He got down in the brick pits to where they were at. He went down there and saw their harsh bondage they were under. He saw the whips on the task the taskmaster's hat on their back. And you know what Moses did? After he set aside his crown, and after he set aside his glory, and after he set aside his throne, and condescended to where they were at. Moses rose up and he slew the Egyptian. Uh, Moses rose up and gave himself for his brethren. Moses rose up and drove down the taskmaster. Amen. Uh, Moses rose up and he took the whip out of their hand. I'm about to preach right here. Amen. Brother Philip, the next day he goes out and you know what? Nobody said nothing to Moses that day. Nobody complained about that whip getting off their back. Nobody was upset that the bondage was getting loosened. Nobody was upset that uh, they weren't getting stripes that day. Uh, but Brother Seth, the next day Moses goes out and there's two Hebrews fighting amongst each other and he starts to judge them. He starts to, to lead them and direct them. And you know what? They got mad about it. They mocked him. They rejected him. See, they didn't mind Moses being their Savior. They just didn't want Moses being their Lord. Amen. They liked, they liked the get out of hell free card that Moses had, but they didn't like to tell us what to do that Moses had. I'm going to tell you tonight, neighbor, uh, fast forward, rewind 2,000 years ago. Uh, 2,000 years ago when the fullness of time had come, uh, Christ Jesus set aside His crown. He set aside His glory. He set aside His throne. And He condescended down to where His brethren, according to the flesh, were. He came into His own. A neighbor of the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that He came to save His people from their sin. He came to where they were at. And man, they liked it. When, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. They liked it when Jesus was raising the dead. Hey, they liked it. A neighbor when he was uh, doing the bread line and the fish line. Uh, they loved it uh, when he was cleansing the leper. Oh, neighbor, but that day uh, when he went in and started kicking over their tables, uh, that day when he started trying uh, to kick over their apple cart and tell them what to do. Hey, neighbor, the Jews, they wanted a Savior that would deliver them from Rome, but they didn't want a Savior 
future that would deliver them from themselves. Amen. And that's the same shape this world's in tonight. Hey, everybody wants somebody to get them out of hell, but they don't want anybody to get them out of the world. Hey, they want somebody to tell them how to miss eternity in hell, but they don't want anybody to tell them how to miss Egypt right now. I'm telling you tonight, they rejected Jesus. Hey, I'm going to listen here. Listen, I'm going to throw this at you. I'm going to slow down here. I, I need God's wisdom when to speed up and when to slow down. Amen. Been like an auctioneer so far. All right, so I'm slowing down right here. Brother Mark, y'all know what the word Barabbas means? The, the prefix bar, B-A-R. Bar mitzvah, we know that. Bartimaeus, bar Jesus in the book of Acts. Brother Seth, bar means son or the son of. So Bartimaeus in Mark 10 is Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus. It's telling us twice that he's the son of Timaeus. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> they said, not this man, but Barabbas. That's what they told Pilate. They said, crucify this man, Jesus. We want Barabbas. What Barabbas was, he was exactly what the Jews wanted. Bar is the son of, brother John. Rabbis means rabbi. So, Barabbas was the son of a rabbi who had taken up the sword and was leading in insurrection against Rome. What they wanted, they didn't want anybody to deliver them from Judaism. They wanted somebody to deliver them from Romanism. They didn't, they liked their religion just how they had it. Matter of fact, there's multiple times in the book of John they flat out say he's he's got to be the Messiah, but we don't want him because we don't want not, we don't want to lose our power. That's what the Bible teaches. If you go back to Matthew one, the first prophecy he fulfilled, and then Herod goes and says, where, "Where does it say he'll be born?" It, it finishes. It tells the whole verse about when he'll be born and where he'll be born, but it stops when it starts talking about him being the eternal God part. From the very birth of Jesus, the Jews have been rejecting Him. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. I'm going to tell you tonight, neighbor, they hung Him on a cross. They would have rather had a religious man than to take up sore and deliver them from the bondage they were in uh, from the world. But they didn't want nobody telling them how to live. They didn't want nobody telling them what to do. And that's where a lot of sinners are tonight. They want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. But guess what? He's both. Moses was rejected by the brethren, but he didn't stop there, did he? Look at verse 15. He, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So, you get this. <clears throat> y'all, In your mind, let's look at our Bible map here. There's the Middle East. We got Israel up here, Egypt here. You got the Mediterranean right here. And you got the Sinai Peninsula. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about right here? Can y'all help me? I don't, wanna, I don't have a map, so we got the Sinai Peninsula. So Egypt's up here, Midian's down here. Does anybody know what that piece of property in Bible days was called? It's called the Sinai Peninsula now, but y'all know what it was called then? It's called the Wilderness of Sin. <laughs> so Moses was rejected by the brethren, but he didn't stop there. He went through the Wilderness of Sin. And he got down to a place called Midian. Brother, Brother Seth, I'm about to have a spell right here. Do y'all know what Midian means? Midian means strife. So Moses was rejected by the brethren, but he doesn't stop there. He goes through the wilderness of sin, and he goes and sits down by a well in the land of strife. I said... Oh my goodness, he went through the wilderness of sin and he came to a land of strife and sat down by a well. It almost sounds like John 4. I see the Savior in this gospel. Aren't you glad Moses didn't stop after the brethren rejected him? And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stop after the Jew rejected him? John 1, I've already quoted it twice, but I'm going to finish it now. He came into his own. And his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Moses was rejected by the brethren, but you know what he did? He went through the wilderness of sin, went to the land of strife, and waited for that little Gentile girl to run smack dab into him. And you know what Jesus did 2,000 years ago? I'm, hey, Matthew 1 says he came to save his people from their sin. Hey, but John said, uh, on the banks of muddy Jordan, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I'm glad he came for the Jew. I'm glad he came after the Jew. But because of that, 
their, their, uh, their disobedience, because of their pushing away of Christ, we've been grafted in. Because of their unbelief, we've been brought in. And tonight, neighbor, I'm glad to report that the last 2,000 years, yes, the Jew may have rejected him nationally. Oh, but Jesus went through the wilderness of sin for us. He came to the land of strife. And for 2,000 years, he's been sitting here waiting on a Gentile girl just to get to the well. Amen. I'm going to preach the whole message in the first point. Y'all pray for me. I'm trying to get to the second point. I see the Savior in this gospel. Number two, I see the situation in this gospel. Look at verse number 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. And the shepherds came and drove them away. Y'all stop and look up here at me. I see the situation. Here we have a religious girl, Zipporah. By the way, her, her name means little bird. Like once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow. Anyways. And Brother Philip, Zipporah is down here and she's grown up. She's religious. You find out later in the book of Exodus that her daddy is the priest of Midian. I don't have time to go and do all this genealogy, but if you trace back, Abraham married a woman after Sarah died and he had sons with that woman as well. And one of those sons was Midian. And mm, Jethro was not just some pagan worshiping Baal or Molech like a bunch of Canaanites. Jethro was serving the true and living God. All right? And so we, we, we find this young lady, she's in the wilderness of sin, in the land of strife, trying to do everything she can to get water. But all the shepherds around her, instead of leading her to the water, were driving him, her away from the water. Brother Billy Ray, it seemed like everybody in her life should be helping her to the water, but all they're doing is keeping her from the water. She's striving. She's laboring. Y'all see the work she's doing? I mean, this girl, she's, done, she's dropping the bucket and pulling it up, and it seems like she's about to get it right to her lips, and then it stops. She just can't get satisfaction. She's got religion. She's surrounded by sin, and she's striving. I mean, land of strife. That's literally the name of the place she's living. She's striving. She's working. She's trying. She's putting on a show, but at the end of the day, she has no contentment. At the end of the day, her lips are still parched. At the end of the day, she has nothing to quench her thirst. Oh, neighbor, may I remind you that if you're here and you're lost tonight, you can do all you can and strive all you want. Hey, but sin has compassed you about. You're living in the land of strife. Hey, and there's plenty of false shepherds outside these walls that are trying to keep you away from Jesus. That's trying to keep you away from the water. They're telling you do this law or keep this commandment or keep this day or keep this diet or do this or don't, don't do that or speak this tongue or wear this garment and you'll be fine but at the end of the day you tried every bit of that you got religion you were compassed by sin you're striving you're working you keep running the bucket down and it keeps coming up empty I want to tell you tonight neighbor that's the situation this girl was in you say preacher I, that doesn't sound like good news oh it is good news you know why it took her getting to this point to realize she needed she was going to need a Moses and she didn't know Moses existed she had no idea who Moses was was. Oh, but sovereignly, in the providence of God, she's about to run smack dab into Moses. And uh, hey, God had to get her to the bottom of her bucket. God had to get her to the end of her rope. See, but you can't get saved until you get lost. Amen. Hey, you can't come down here and say, God, if I'm lost. No, no, no. God won't. God never saved anybody like that. Uh, but somebody will come down and say, God, I'm lost. He'll save you. Amen. See, this is good news. You know why? Because the good news doesn't mean anything unless the bad news gets there first. And before the good news could mean anything to this girl, she had to have the bad news. Some of you got the bad news tonight. You know you're on your way to hell. You know you're condemned by the law. And you need something that you can't get on your own. I see the Savior in this gospel. I see the situation in this gospel, but glory to God, I see the salvation 
in this gospel. Look at verse 17. I made y'all stop because I didn't want to ruin the rest of the message. We're going to start at the top. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But, if Brother Baloo was here, he'd say that's a Holy Ghost conjunction. But, Moses, what did he do? Stood up. Oh yes, neighbor. Oh yes, here's this girl. She couldn't stand up for herself. This girl, she couldn't do nothing for herself. But here's one that's greater than her. Here's one that's mightier than her. Here's one that's stronger than her. Hey, and when she couldn't get the water, when she could matter of fact, it's just one Moses. But the Bible said there's a bunch of shepherds, amen. It's a plural the word here, Brother Mark. Hey, I'm glad to report that nobody had matter how many false shepherds have got you in bondage tonight. No matter no matter how many works you tried no matter how much sin you're in when Moses stands up it's enough amen Moses is strong enough Moses is powerful enough oh but that's for Zipporah hey tonight hey Jesus is standing up for you he's strong enough he's great enough hey he said it is finished and that's exactly what he meant amen you've already heard it's so great tonight Jesus paid it all all to Him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Say, preacher, how'd they get saved? Same way you got to. See, He did the same exact thing for the Hebrews and they rejected Him. They rejected this gospel. But when they got down here, this little girl that didn't even know who He was. By the way, Moses' bride is half Shemite and half Hamite. She's part Gentile and part Jew. The bride of Christ, she's part Gentile, part Jew. <laughs> I don't have time to get into all that. Y'all leave me alone. Now watch this. So how do I get saved, preacher? Same way these girl, this girl did. So preacher, how's that? Well, the, well, the Jews and the Hebrews in this text, they rejected Moses when he stood up for them. When these girls, when he stood up for these girls... They turned away from their trying and their striving and their works and their labor and they rested in what Moses had done. You know how you'll get saved tonight? Quit striving and working and laboring and trying. There is no trying to get saved. You, re you, you, you repent. That, that's not a dirty word, by the way. It's a Bible word. Hey, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't have biblical repentance without biblical faith. And you can't have biblical faith without biblical repentance. There's a bunch of our Pentecostal brethren up and down this road, and they're repenting and believing in baptism, but all that will do is send you to hell. It's repentance and faith in who? Jesus Christ. So that repentance is not a work, it's a ceasing from works. We're, we're turning away from our striving and our wickedness and our works and our labor and our works and our labor and our works and our labor. And we're turning and putting our faith completely and wholly in Him. By the way, matter of fact, when it actually happens in your life, you'll have a hard time discerning which one's which. Say, so, preacher, what's it look like for me? Well, can I give y'all an example? How many? Everybody in here believes in God. How many y'all believe in God? Some of you are lying, but that's okay. Amen. Don't want to raise your hand. Every Catholic I've ever met believes the gospel, but they're trusting in the mass and the confession to get them to heaven. They know the gospel, but they're not trusting the gospel. <clears throat> now, can y'all pretend that Mays and Brother Seth is not on this chair? Can y'all do that for me? Amen. We are Baptists, so we're good at pretending. Anyway, y'all get that later. Amen. Hot, tough crowd tonight, Brother Billy. Who, whose chair is this right here? He always sits there, right? That's his, that's his seat, right? Now, let me ask y'all, how many of y'all believe in that chair? Would you raise your hand? Three people. That's a blessing. Y'all help me now. Three people. Y'all believe in the chair. Brother Seth, we believe in the chair. We know it's there. We have a head knowledge of the chair. It's there. Matter of fact, I've seen for years the contentment and the joy and the rest that this chair has given your daddy. I mean, it's really, uh, it's appealing. I, I, I mean, when I'm out there, it's, it looks like the same chair, but there's got to be something different about this chair. All right? Brother Philip, I mean, I have seen the chair work in, in your preacher's life. I have a head knowledge of the chair. I mean, it really is appealing. But you know what? I've never received nothing from that chair. With all that knowledge and all of that recognition 
of what it's done in his life. I've never, I've never experienced the chair for myself. What do I have to do to have that same joy and peace and contentment in the chair? Well, help me. What? Would you stand up for a second, preacher? You mean to tell me all I have to do is rest in the chair? Amen. Now, I didn't have to get under here and check out the way. And I didn't have to check the structural integrity. No, I just sat in the chair. I, wait, now I already had a head knowledge of the chair. I already knew about the chair. I'd already seen what the chair had done in your life. But it didn't mean nothing in my life until I rested in it for myself. Hey, neighbor, there's a lot of people. And you know they up here. Man, you got it down path as good as your preacher up here you never rested in it yourself. And until you do, it's just knowledge. Until you do, it's just something else you've cataloged away. But when you do, rest in the chair. When you rest in Christ, He'll be enough. I see the Savior in this Gospel, the salvation in this Gospel, the situation in the Gospel, but I can't, I can't skip this part. There is a spreading of this Gospel. By the way, every time I found a gospel message in the Old Testament, right there next to it, I found a missions message. I just can't help it. It blows my mind that I, I preached in the church. Am I, am I live right now? Praise God. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. it. I was preaching in the church last week, 136 years old, and they've never supported one missionary. And it blows, and I'm not picking on them. There's ignorance there, and they need Bible teaching, and that's what we're trying to help them with. But Brother Philip, how can you read this Bible and not realize we have a responsibility? There's the spreading of this gospel. Would y'all look at with me, verse 18 with me? And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, watch this, how is it that you are come so soon today? Whoa! Before these girls ever opened their mouths, Brother Dean, their daddy could tell there was something different on I wonder when they see you coming if they can see that there's something different. Before they ever said, Daddy, let me tell you about Moses. Woo! No, there was a change in their countenance. There was a, there was a rest on their faces. How, how are you... Hey, let me ask you this. Does anybody see any difference in you? Does anybody see any difference in the way you dress from the rest of the world? Does anybody see anything different in the, the, your reaction and your attitude and your spirit and your demeanor? Help me now. I'll preach, I'll preach here for, till, till Dan to Beersheba. I'll, I'll preach here till breakfast in the morning if y'all want me to. Now hear me. It does matter what we are on the outside. People do notice. And I listen. Hey, you can wear a skirt down to the floor and be as bitter as an old hag. And it don't matter how long your skirt is if you got that bitterness in your heart. But that don't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. That don't make the skirt wrong. That makes your attitude wrong. This because some old well, pray for me. Some old Baptist woman had a bad attitude that wore a skirt. That don't mean the outward was wrong. It meant her inward was wrong. Quit throwing the hey. The Mormons use the King James Bible, but just because they're legalists, don't mean we're going to throw the King James Bible out. I'm tired of our generation uh, just blanket statement throwing the baby out with the bathwater because a bunch of uh, a few Pharisees in the last generation did it for the wrong reason. Hey neighbor, they might have done it for the wrong reason, but a lot of what they did was right. Brother Blue said, "Don't if you wake up one morning and realize what you're doing, you're doing for the wrong reason. Don't quit doing what you're doing. Just change your reason. Change your reason." Man, we was it. Y'all, are y'all okay? Man, I ate three o'clock. Did I tell y'all that? I'm fine. But Brother Billy Ray, we was down at Scottish Rite Medical Center in, in Atlanta. We had, I, Miss Chloe and I had sang in a meeting that morning. My nephew, this was back in 2014. It was in February 2014. And uh, my nephew was having a, a pretty major surgery, and we went down there to be with the family after the service. And my, my brother's sister-in-law and my wife, of course, they all dress modest all the time, not just because we're at church, but they, amen. This ain't the church, you're the church. Amen. This ain't the temple of God, you're the temple of God. 
Amen. That's why when I go to the beach, I don't drop my Christian standards. I only go to the beach when my wife makes me. Amen. But, amen. I could wear these in swimming trunks. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hey, don't get don't make me preach on that now. Say, preacher, you can't show me a verse about men wearing shorts. You're right. Did y'all hear me? I said, you're right. But I can show you where the thighs, the nakedness in the Bible. And if you show your thigh, male or female, you're naked. And nakedness is a sin. And it don't matter if it's at the beach or at Walmart or Waffle House or the church. You're naked. So I don't have a verse that says thou shalt not wear shorts. I just killed it, Brother Billy, right? You prayed for me. But I do have a verse that says, sir, if you're wearing, wearing them shorts, your thigh shows, you're naked. And say, well, preacher, mine are long shorts. Yeah, I've never seen a man wear a pair of shorts but when he didn't sit down, his thigh didn't show. And if you are wearing them that going down far enough, you're wearing capris, sir, and we got a lot more to talk about than your nakedness. Amen. Amen, friend. Woo, we got something to talk about, brother son. Amen. We're going to talk about it from a distance, but we got something to talk about. Amen. We was down there at Scottish Rite. My, my, my brother, sister-in-law, and my wife, they went down to the, to the, I almost said fellowship hall, but to the dining hall to get some food. And um, my wife saw a, 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 a Jewish rabbi. I'm talking about the flat hat, the tendrils, the, the t- tallit hanging out from under his clothes. I mean, the real deal. And these men are religious. And, and Brother Seth, a lot of times they won't even take literature from us. They're so just standoffish. But my wife went up to him that day and she pulled out a Love the Jewish People track and handed it to him and he took it. Wow. She came, came back she said, he asked, she said, are you Jewish? She said, well, no, sir. My husband's a Baptist preacher. We love the Jewish people. We want you to know it. And he thought because of the way she was dressed that she was Jewish. And he took it from her. Now let me ask y'all something. How much is that one man's soul worth? If we thought that the way we dress could impact us reaching one person. Now this is just one example. I got others, so don't come up to me after church rambling off. One person. Is it worth it? Especially if that's how God told us to dress in the first place. So before they ever... Here's what I'm trying to say. Nobody cares about the gospel coming from your lips until they see the gospel coming from your life. Man, I wish I could go on on this point. I have lost people that tonight, right now, are in hell. Brother Caleb, I've got their blood on my hands because of what I was on the outside not matching up what I am on the inside. Verse 19. And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds. Whoa. Wait a minute. They're wrong. Is Moses an Egyptian? No. What is Moses? Hebrew. These girls are heretics. Wait, I'm just kidding. You say, preacher, what do you mean? These girls didn't have all their doctrine right. These girls didn't know all about justification, propitiation, glorification, and sanctification. And, and, and all of those Asians. Amen. Brother Philip, but you know what they did know? Look at the latter part of the verse. And also drew out water enough for us and watered the flock. They knew that they were thirsty before Moses got there and there wasn't nothing they could do about it. And you know what? They wanted to tell everybody that Moses gave them water when they couldn't get it from themselves. Hey, listen, do you think they figured out later he wasn't an Egyptian? Absolutely. They eventually found it out. How many times y'all ever said some, some crackhead come in after weeks and they get saved and, and then the next week they bring one of their crackhead buddies and say, this is Brother Billy Ray. He saved me last week. That ever happened to you? That ever happened to you? You don't blow them out. You don't call them idiots or nothing. Now, Brother Billy Ray didn't save nobody. And I hadn't saved nobody. And Brother Seth hadn't saved nobody. We know that. 
But they don't. You know what? Just keep letting them telling people that they used to be thirsty and they ain't no more. And you just keep letting... Hey, I'd rather them say it a little wrong and a little off and get it straightened out later than to be about about being like a lot of us that forgot what we used to be and forgot where we used to be and we don't tell nobody and we got all our doctrine right. They didn't have all their doctrine right, but man, they went and told everybody that we was thirsty and Moses gave us water. Man, get busy. Watch this. Verse 20. Man, this, oh God, help me deliver it like you gave it to me. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Brother Seth, you know what they're saying? This is what Ruel was saying. He did all that for you? And you didn't bring him to me? He did all of that for you? And you didn't bring him to me? Y'all ever heard of Jim Elliott? Nate Saint? All those that died down there reaching the, the, the cannibals? When that, one, that first one that was in that group that killed him got saved. I can't remember his name. Wani or something like that. He asked him, he said, How long have your people had his letters? And why is it taking you so long to get them to us? You know what his letters are? Yeah. Right well, there's his letters. Yes, why, why is it taking you so long to get his letters to us? He's done all that for you? Mark, I know what you... Chico, I know what you used to be. And Chico, we used to run around together. And Chico, I'm still out here in this and you've never brought him to me. Philip, but, but we used to do all those things together back in the day and I see a change in your life and He's done all that for you. Where is He? Yes, sir. He gave you water. Why haven't you ever brought Him to me? That's good. See, we're waiting around for everybody to come to the well and we're supposed to be taking the well to them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's done all that for you and you didn't care enough about me to bring Him here. There's a spreading of this gospel. And last thing I see, there's satisfaction in this gospel. Verse 21 to 22. He married his Gentile bride. Half Gentile, half Shemite. He, uh, he marries her and he's, for 40 years he just takes care of sheep caring for his bride. <laughs> I can't make this up. Brother Philip, he takes care of his wife and tends to sheep for 40 years. And you know how it is. Husband and wife, they start bearing fruit. First son's called Gershom. I'm a pilgrim and stranger here. His second son's named Eliezer. That means God is my help. Hey, you know what? Every time we see somebody come get saved just because Christ is loving on His bride and we see some fruit born, it ain't nothing we've done. It just reminds us that we're pilgrims and strangers here. And that God is our help. And He sure is a good, He sure is a good shepherd. He sure is a good husband. He sure does care. Oh, but wait, Moses never forgot about his brethren. The next time we see Moses and his bride, they're getting on packs of beasts to go deliver his brethren from the world. And the next time this world sees Jesus, we will be with him. Mounted up on white horses. Yeah! Amen? Hey, Jesus is going to come and He's going to step foot on that Mount of Olives. It's going to split from the east to the west. Hey, hey, neighbor, and the Jews going to be delivered out of that valley. And what destroys, the, or what delivers the Jews going to destroy the Gentile. Hey, and He's going to walk. I've been studying Psalms 110. It says in verse 6 uh, that He's going to lift up the heads of the kings. That's going to be the battle of Armageddon. But the last verse, verse 7, it says that He's going to walk through the valley. He's going to drink of the brook and he's going to lift up the head not heads he's going to lift up the head of the serpent Genesis 3.15 he's going to oh yeah. he's going to lift up that head and in Psalms 2 I believe it is he said he's going to no, Psalm 16 he's going to lift up he's going to say lift up O ye gates for the king of glory 
is going to come in. And he's going to go up the, down through that Kindred Valley. He's going to go, drink of the brook according to Psalms 110. He's going to lift up the head of the serpent and he's going to march up and he's going to take his seat in the, on the throne of, da, of David, his father. And he's going to rule with a rod and of iron for a thousand years. And we're going to, you're going to be the mayor of North Spoon. Amen? Poplarville. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Hey, neighbor, you say, preacher, are you satisfied? You know why I can be satisfied in this gospel? Because God is. The only satisfaction we have in Christ, the reason we can be satisfied in Him is because God is satisfied in Him. That's right. Hey, tonight, are you satisfied with what you've got? If you died tonight, is it a hope so or is it a no so? My granddaddy's been telling me my whole life there's only two religions. There's do and there's done. Is what you got done? Or is it do? Hey, and if it's do this, this evening, it only takes you to one place. That's hell. But done religion only takes you to one place. And that's heaven. Right, two questions tonight. Are you saved? Are you resting in what Christ is? Are you resting in the chair tonight? You know about it. But are you resting in it? And tonight, He's done all that for you. Why hadn't you brought it to me? You care if I give an altar call, Brother Bill? I saw heads bowed and eyes closed. Sister Ruth is coming. Is there anybody here tonight that will say, Brother Hewitt, <clears throat> I'm saved. The preacher, I've not been spreading the gospel like I should. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Hands going up. That's right. Maybe your life's not lining up with your, your, your lips. Preacher, pray for me. I need, to, I need to be busy about the Father's business. Anybody else? How about this? Say, Preacher, i got lost loved ones. I'm saved, but I've got lost loved ones. Would you pray? Would you help me pray? That's right. Hands going up all over the place. Last thing. Last thing. You can put your hand down. Anybody here not saved? Preacher and me are the only two looking. Nobody else is looking. Is there anybody here who say, Preacher, pray for me. I've never been saved. Would you raise your hand? I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else say, Preacher, pray for me. I've never been saved. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's peeking. Is there anybody else say, Preacher, pray for me. I've never been saved. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand tonight? Anybody else like that? I see that hand. Anybody else like that? Don't have to be ashamed. You can be saved tonight. Anybody else? How about this? Anybody say, Preacher, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Would you pray for me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Is there anybody like that? We're all standing all over the house. These altars are to be full tonight. He's done all that for you. You never brought him to me. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you need to be saved, this will be a good night. Kick camp meeting off this year. A new creature in Christ Jesus. Would you come? Go ahead, sis.